This is Everybody's Talking with Layla. Hey, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Everybody's Talking with Layla, the podcast where I share the stories that have you really engaged in some good, deep, juicy conversations on your social media feeds. One story has me reliving my worst childhood nightmare. Another one? Well, has me rethinking my career choices. Maybe I can be a backup dancer for Beyonce. But first, let's dive into the story that was seen and heard around the world, and that is the fire at Notre Dame in Paris. If you turn on the television Monday, you could not help but see those live heartbreaking images coming in uh, from Paris as Notre Dame went up in flames. People were inside the cathedral at the time. There was actually an evening mass happening, and uh, the witnesses, some of the folks who were in there who have spoken with media outlets since, talked about uh, hearing the alarms go off and people who work there thinking, that's odd. Is it a mistake? You know, and then when they evacuated, realizing that there's smoke and then flames, and then we saw those images of just raging flames, um, watch the spire collapse. So this 850-year-old landmark went up in flames. It was Monday evening, and it happened, the fire, somewhere in the roof area. There had been renovations ongoing um, in the roof area. So right now, the preliminary investigation looks like some sort of electrical fire, possibly due to the renovations. It's still pretty early to tell the exact cause, which has not been revealed, because you got to remember a structure like that burning the way it did, portions collapsing of the roof, um, they have to make sure it's structurally sound to really get in there and dig and find the actual cause of this fire. Investigators have questioned people who have been working uh, in the roof area about, you know, what had been going on and possibly what could have happened. But right now, all signs point to it as an accident. No foul play at this time, but the investigation is ongoing. The main structure of the church was saved. But as I said, the spire collapsed. The good news is no one died. And there were a few injuries being firefighters and police officers, but no one died, which is a blessing in itself, knowing that people were actually inside the cathedral when the fire started. It took 400 firefighters battling the flames for nine hours just to really get some sort of control of it. And they had to obviously stay and watch it and put those hot spots out. Uh, let's talk about what was in there that we know that was saved. So there is a priest who is credited with running back up in the burning cathedral to to make sure some important things were saved. Uh, the most sacred being the crown of thorns believed to have been worn by Jesus during the crucifixion. So he ran in there. Here's the thing about the crown of thorns. It's not like the crown of thorns just sitting out on the table. It's locked up in a safe in a glass box and somebody has to have a key and a code. So apparently they had to track someone down with the key and code to get to the crown of thorns. They were able to get to it. Um, I can only imagine this race against time as everything's burning around you. But they got to it and saved it. The paintings could still have some water and smoke damage. That is according to Francis Culture Minister, because people could look at it and say, oh, the paintings were saved. They're fine. But you got to remember, there are firefighters in there with water, there's smoke. You know, that could still affect the art and the actual quality of it. So what they're doing is moving, transporting those paintings to the Louvre Museum, which is beautiful, by the way, the Louvre Museum, where they'll be treated and restored. Also, the famous, massive, beautiful three-rose windows in the cathedral, which uh, have those stained glass panes, they're still there. They were damaged. No one really knows the extent of that damage yet, but they are still there. 
the great organ. So musicians around the world talk about um, the, this beautiful, massive organ in the cathedral. It dates back to the 18th century. It has 8,000 pipes. Apparently, there's no sound like it anywhere. It's like the most beautiful music to your ears when this organ is played. I've read many articles, many quotes from folks who've heard this organ or organists who've played it. They say there's nothing like it. So the organ did not burn, but there's no word now on the exact extent of the damage to this beautiful organ. President Emmanuel Macron vowed to rebuild the cathedral within five years. People are like, is that in time for the Olympics? I mean, do you want to know what the rush is on that? Because five years seems pretty fast. Some folks say it can't be done. There's so much they have to do to the structure, to the roof. Do we keep the same style of spire? There aren't even trees around anymore, like the trees that were used to make the roof. There are so many layers to this. So there are already debates happening on how, how they're going to rebuild and how it's going to look. But the president says, let's get this done in five years. Other folks who know all about structures and architects say, good luck with that time frame. The president also did something really cool. He invited all the firefighters uh, to the presidential palace and they will be awarded with medals for their heroic actions. All right. So with this, you know, there now is some financial drama involved right as this fire was happening. I mean, it hadn't even been but a couple of hours. Donations were pouring in as the flames are still raging. People were donating money, more than a billion euros already pledged within hours. The majority of that came from four really rich families, you know, billionaires, really, really rich families over in France. So between those four families, most of that money was raised and pledged. There was backlash, though, because people in France are and have been protesting social inequality. And they say, listen, the fact that these folks can pull their money together for a landmark shows that they, if these billionaires and rich families really cared about the social inequality, they could pull their money together and deal with this social crisis we're having, this social emergency we're having in France. And so these protesters are saying, this is proof there's plenty of money in France, and we need to address this social inequality. This will continue to be something that's talked about in weeks and months and years ahead, but it's definitely one of the biggest stories that I saw on social media this week that you were fascinated with. I was over in Paris over the summer for work, and I got there a few days early for pleasure. I said, hey, if I'm flying over to Paris for work, let me make the most of this trip, because I hadn't been since I was a little girl. Um, some of you guys know I'm a military brat, and I grew up in an army family. So we visited Paris. When I when I lived in Germany as a kid, we went to Paris on a trip. But that was a long time ago. So I wanted to go back as an adult and really enjoy Paris. So when you're over there, I got this great advice from a coworker. Get a pass and do the hop-on, hop-off bus. I'm not sure what the official name of it is, but that, but if you've been over there, you know what I'm talking about. You hop on this bus, and it stops at all the landmarks, the Louvre. Um, the Arc de Triomphe, you know, every cool place that you want to see while you're in Paris, Eiffel Tower. And so I got my pass and I hopped on the bus and, and, you know, I visited the Louvre one day. I spent almost the whole day there. I mean, you really could spend a couple of days there. It's massive looking at the beautiful art and statues and I just didn't want to leave. So that day took up a lot of time. There was another day I spent most of my day at the Eiffel Tower. I had been, like I said, as a little girl, but this time I wanted to walk most of the Eiffel Tower. So I did that. So that took a lot of time, okay? I'm at the Eiffel Tower for a big chunk of my day. And so I visited all these places. And at the end of the map from where I was staying, distance-wise, at the end of the map was 
Notre Dame. And I just could not make it in the few days I had to myself to go see it. I said, oh, it's the farthest on my route. I'll just visit the next time I'm in Paris. So you can imagine I'm looking at TV thinking, oh, my goodness, I should have visited while I was there. The structure overall is safe, but it's going to be a while for folks who are in there walking around, taking pictures and enjoying this beautiful um, cathedral. So I was heartbroken in that sense because I was there and I could have really, really enjoyed it. Oh, one other thing. There was a picture that went viral. Uh, A lady from Michigan visiting over in Paris snapped a picture about an hour before the fire at Notre Dame, right in front of Notre Dame. This dad and his daughters, really heartwarming, really cute picture. You can you can Google this picture and see that it went viral. And she wanted to find out, you know, oh my goodness, I should have given this family this picture. Now that the cathedral went up in flames, I should have shared this with them. Well, she posted on Twitter, and you know how social media is, the power of social media. People track down said father and daughter. Um, and the man asked to remain anonymous and he was so grateful. This lady says, she tells the story on social media. This man was so grateful. I took this picture and I gave it to him and he, they'll cherish it forever, but he didn't want to be identified because he just felt like after what happened after the fire, he didn't want to make a big deal about this picture with him and his daughter. All right, let's get to this next story because y'all know, if you know me personally, if you've been following me on on social media or followed me on TV over the years, y'all know I think I'm Beyonce's cousin, Leonce. Let that marinate for a second. Leonce. Beyonce, to the delight of Beehive fans, has released her Netflix movie called Homecoming. So this was based off of her 2018 Coachella performance. Now, if you were one of the many fans who were able to hop online and watch part of the Coachella performance last year, you probably thought you saw it all, but no, this film gives us so much more. It gives you all the answers to the questions. Could you ever watch a concert or watch a movie and think, I wonder what was happening behind the scenes? We got the performance in its entirety, the whole two plus hour Coachella performance on a Netflix show, movie. Yes, we did. And then we got little clips from behind the scenes. Blue Ivy's there. She's at rehearsals. And we see Beyonce pregnant with the twins, Rumi and Sir. Which, if you remember, Beyonce was supposed to perform at Coachella in 2017, but had to tell fans, I'm so sorry. I promise I will come back bigger and better and stronger for 2018's Coachella. But right now I got some twins. And I don't think I could go on stage at Coachella with the twins trying to dance and everything else she does. Could you imagine being like really pregnant, like eight, nine months pregnant doing Coachella? Child, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me enough. Mm -mm. (laughs) And you couldn't pay Beyonce enough. So she comes back. She does this performance last year. And when you watched it at the time, people knew if you are familiar with marching bands, fraternities, step teams, whatever, if you know all about the HBCU life, People were living for her 2018 Coachella performance. She took people back to college, to the Battle of the Bands and the Step Shows. It was phenomenal. But watching it on the Netflix movie took it to a whole nother level of greatness for me. I loved it, which is why I stayed up late (laughs) to do my podcast because I had to watch this performance before I could talk about it. So what she shared during this movie, which, by the way, it's called Homecoming, and she directed, wrote, and executive produced this movie. Go ahead, Beyonce. And people affectionately started calling Coachella last year, Beachella. But she revealed 
in her behind the scenes moments of this film. This there was a four month period of rehearsal with the band. Okay. Before four months of dance rehearsal, there were so many moving parts. We're talking about 200 roughly, maybe I'm guessing 200 people on stage during her performances. She had a marching band. She had her backup singers. She had an orchestra. She had the girl who comes out and does the baton twirling. You know how you see at the games on the football field, the girl doing the baton. She had one of them. She had her regular dancers. It was just a lot of moving parts. And to get those moving parts on the same page, on the same foot, beat, twerk, (laughs) that takes a lot. So that's just a little glimpse of the work they were putting in behind the scenes. They even had a rehearsal with no music. You know, I thought about when, (laughs) when I watched that scene, if you ever saw the movie Drumline with Nick Cannon, when he was in the drumline, a cute little cheesy movie. It was cute though. Um, (laughs) When they said one band, one sound, (laughs) that's what I felt like when she said they rehearsed with no music. You got to have one band and one sound because if somebody's footwork is off, you can hear it. So this was a, a full-blown tribute to the HBCU bands, to the the step teams, to the whole HBCU experience. Uh, she said in the documentary that she put her 22-year career into her two-hour homecoming performance. It was a treat, you guys, if you haven't seen it. Uh, behind the scenes, we have video of Beyonce also going through her weight loss. So she showed y'all the belly. Yes, I, she was pregnant. She showed that in the video. Um, the birth of the twins, which she had complications with that and had a C-section. She talked about losing that weight and the struggle. I mean, when she first got back into performances and rehearsals, you could just tell. And I've never had kids, but I think every mama who watched that was like, oh, my goodness, I cannot imagine putting my body through what she put her body through. And she referenced that. She would never again push herself like she did for this Coachella performance. I mean, it paid off. She got a whole movie out of it and some extra coins. But still, she said she would never push her body that way again. And that's understandable. We saw that she would, you know, have the kids there, you know, not just in Blue Ivy, but the twins. Because she's talked about in the documentary how she would dance and then during breaks run to her trailer and breastfeed the twins. That's a lot. It was about, what, four or five months before Coachella that she actually got back and started doing all that work. It was just phenomenal to see. Um, She thanked the crowd for allowing her to be the first black woman to headline Coachella. That crowd was so excited. And not only was it just Beyonce. At one point, she brought out Jay-Z, her husband, for their song they did together, A Deja Vu. She also brought out Kelly and Michelle. They had a little um, Destiny's Child reunion. And then her sister Solange came on stage. And they did a dance that they do for one of her songs, A Get Me Body. So it was really, really action-packed and cute. But Beyonce could hold a whole concert by herself. But it was nice that she had a couple of these... um, folks who we love and know from working with her and their individual projects. It was nice that she brought them on stage, too, to share in that moment. It was a lot of fun to watch that. Uh, Also, real quick, former First Lady Michelle Obama released a a thank you, congratulations sort of video to Beyonce uh, on social media. And she told her, she starts off her video by saying, hey, queen. And she said homecoming is both a celebration and call to action. She said that she loves that Beyonce is using this film to uh, inspire the next generation. And really it was. There were so many famous quotes um, from from great black leaders over the years, famous quotes that she had throughout 
this documentary and just so much inspiration, just not only the hard work that it takes to put on this performance, but really what a lot of this means to the culture and to these HBCUs. So if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sure you saw your friends talking about it on social media. If you want to go ahead and check out Beyonce's um, Coachella performance in her movie Homecoming. By the way, by the way, she also released an album. (laughs) Not only was she like, here's your documentary, take this album. Uh, The album being 40 live performance songs that that were part of her Coachella um, performance. So just some, it was really cool that she was able to tie that in for her fans as well. All right, final story that I said was my worst nightmare. Now, if you know me, you know I do not do scary movies ever. And the reason was because when I was a little girl, I saw a movie that was awful. And it scared me so much that I vowed to never watch a scary movie again. The next movie that I saw that was kind of scary was Sixth Sense. Y'all remember that movie? Sixth Sense wasn't even scary. It was suspense. But you can't pay me to watch a suspense movie. Mm -mm. After Sixth Sense, I haven't seen Get Out. I'm not going to see Us. Anything kind of makes you think somebody's scared, somebody running, don't know who behind them, boo. Gotcha. Not my kind of movie. Mm-mm. And it was all because back in the 80s, I saw a little doll who was deranged and was hurting people. And his name was Chucky. Well, somebody thought it was a good idea to bring him back. First of all, who thought it was a good idea to make a, a demonic doll to scare little children in the 80s? And then y'all want to reboot him and bring him back? Why? What I didn't know was that apparently there were some sequels over the years. To the first Chucky, totally missed that. You know why? Don't watch those movies. So now they want to bring him back and reboot him, and it's got a whole artificial intelligence tie-in. Let me fill you in. Chucky is back. Mark Hamill is voicing the doll. If you don't know who Hamill is, he's best known uh, for playing Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars trilogy. Now, how do you go from Luke Skywalker to crazy Chucky? Anyway, the full trailer is out, and people are talking about it, especially on Twitter. They're excited. I don't know why, but... The original one came out in 1988 in the reboot. Buddy is an app. Artificial intelligence, human companion, Buddy, Chucky. And you can control this new doll with the app. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You can already tell what's going to happen. The app's going to control you. So Chucky's going to do his own thing. Not what the app says. And the rest is history. He's still running around with his little knife and his little crazy-looking hair. (laughs) Killing folks. And apparently he's not the only thing that turns on people. I think other things that are controlled by this app turn on people as well. So this is just a wake-up call that we have too much going on with uh, technology running our lives. Because they're going to turn on us one day. (laughs) Anyway, I think this is a terrible idea. Uh, But if you want to go see this and it's up to you to take your kids, which is also a terrible idea, uh, Chucky Hits Theaters, June 21st. Child's Play remake. He's back. Bye, Chucky. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you keep in touch. First things first, make sure you subscribe and tell your friends about the show. Everybody's talking with Layla. You can find me on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Also on my Facebook page, Layla Muhammad TV. And if you have an idea, drop me a line at talkwithlayla at gmail.com. Enjoy your week.